If we start with ourselves, we can do what Gabor recommends, which is to first notice when authenticity isn't there, and then apply that same curiosity and gentle skepticism to the limiting beliefs that are taking its place. You can ask yourself, why do I want my daughter to get all A's? Why is it so important for me that my son is the best pitcher in his league and go to a D1 college? Why can't I get comfortable with my daughter dating girls? We know authenticity isn't there when we feel tension, anxiety, irritability, regret, depression, or fatigue. It wears on us to not be authentic. So we need to ask, what do we fear when we exert these expected outcomes on our kids? And where did those fears come from? If you can even say, I'm really scared to let go of this, I am scared to be myself in this situation, that in itself is a start toward authenticity. Welcome back. You are listening to Hope Stream. This is the podcast for you if you are parenting or co-parenting a child who is misusing substances, in active addiction, in a treatment program, or the early stages of recovery. I am Brenda Zane, your host and a parent who has been through it all. And this is where we talk about the hard things, the frustrating things, and also the hope-filled things. You will hear from experts, and from time to time, you will hear from me with words of encouragement or things that might help you as you ride the crazy roller coaster with your child. And if you want to learn more about me and how I support parents in my work, you can go to my website, brendazane.com. Well, I had planned a different episode for today, but after speaking with Dr. Gabor Mate last week, I decided to shift things slightly and just chat with you about some of the key aha moments I had during that conversation with him last week and from his newest book, obviously, The Myth of Normal. Also, before we jump in, I want to apologize in advance for any extra background noise you might hear today. And also, if you're listening in real time, then in the next few months, because there is a construction site directly across the street from me where they are building 40 townhouses. And between that and the leaf blowers at our townhouse development and garbage day on Wednesdays, it can get really tricky to find a quiet time to record. So now that you are aware of the day-to-day struggles of a podcaster, we will dive in and thank you in advance again for understanding. There is so much in the myth of normal that it's really hard to boil it down. So I will do my best. I would really encourage you to get it and take your time reading through it. It is a lot It is a massive book. It covers so much ground, but it is definitely, definitely worth a read. When I step back from all of the individual learnings and light bulb moments I had, both reading the book and also in speaking with Gabor, which by the way, he insisted that I call him rather than Dr. Mate. So if you think I'm being disrespectful, that is his request. Um, What really settled inside of me after this experience was the need for self-awareness and self-compassion at a personal level and the dire need for a shift to 
a more compassionate approach to supporting parents in our country, in the U.S., but even just compassion at a societal level. So I want to start with this concept of self-awareness and compassion. After reading 502 pages, I felt such a sense of awe and relief about the fact that we are genuinely shaped both for good and for bad by our, our environment. And those things that we beat ourselves up for, the things that cause us so much angst in life, we can really look at those as imprints of our surroundings and primarily our childhoods, not as character flaws or defects. And when you think of your environment, think as far back as in utero and at birth. And if you did listen already to episode 131 with Gabor Mate, you will have heard the story of my son's birth and how that um, has affected him. Side note, one of the many things I appreciate about this book are the 43 pages of notes and references to all of the studies and the research that are mentioned and referenced in this book. They provide the background and the validation for the concepts that Gabor Mate writes about. I think that's important because some of the things he talks about might be contradictory to what we have heard or been taught all of our lives. So I really appreciate that level of backup. So back to self-awareness and compassion. I want to read a short bit from the end of the book that I think beautifully sums up what we need to keep front and center in our minds and in our hearts. It all starts with waking up, waking up to what is real and authentic in and around us and what isn't, waking up to who we are and who we're not, waking up to what our bodies are expressing and what our minds are suppressing, waking up to our wounds and our gifts, waking up to what we have believed and what we actually value, waking up to what we will no longer tolerate and what we can now accept, waking up to the myths that bind us and the interconnections that define us, waking up to the past as it has been, the present as it is, and the future as it yet may be, waking up most especially to the gap between what our essence calls for and what, quote, normal has demanded of us. We are blessed with a momentous opportunity, shedding toxic myths of disconnection from ourselves, from one another, and from the planet. We can bring what is normal and what is natural bit by bit closer together. It is a task for the ages, one that can redeem the past, inspire the present, and point to a brighter, healthier future. It is our most daunting challenge and greatest possibility. I will say, as we are waking up to what's real and authentic, and to the things that have happened in our families and to our kids, we need to be very careful not to fall into a blame spiral and ruminate on what could have been or what should have been. I have talked with many people in the past week who've expressed this sentiment that knowing what they know now, they can see how their child's path could have been different, that they might have been able to steer things in a better, healthier direction. My thoughts on that are twofold. One, Yes, things might have been different if we'd been more aware of some of the circumstances and traumas we and our kids have experienced. 
And therefore, we might have changed our approach to life and to parenting. And two, there's a good chance that things would have turned out the same. So spending time being consumed with wonder and guilt about what cannot be changed now is truly a waste of our energy. What is worth our energy, I think, is being open to learning, open to digging into parts of ourselves that might be painful and ugly to look at, and then applying learnings that we find there to bettering who and how we are today and tomorrow, and that will impact future generations. We should be able to step back from books like The Myth of Normal or In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, When the Body Says No, or the documentary of Gabor Mate's work, The Wisdom of Trauma, and be okay to sit with the knowledge that the way we are makes sense. It's all connected. And also that we can change and be different. As a parent, looking at ourselves as an essential piece of the difficult, dizzying puzzle that we're facing with our kids is so hard. And if we don't do that, and we don't open ourselves to examination and growth, we will stay stuck in the same patterns and cycles that we've been in, sometimes for many generations. So that is one huge aha I took away from the book and my time with Gabor was the dire need for self-reflection, awareness, and compassion. The second major takeaway for me is the non-debatable link between stress and illness. In the book, Gabor talks about how our social and economic culture generates chronic stressors that undermine our well-being in very, very serious ways. He talks about how in laboratories, scientists grow cultures, which are biochemical broths that they custom make to promote the development of a specific organism. If you assume that the microbes in that culture start out healthy, then a well-maintained culture should lead to healthy growth and development. If the same organism begins to show unhealthy traits at unprecedented rates, or if they fail to thrive, it's either because the culture has been contaminated or it was the wrong mixture in the first place. Either way, you can say it's a toxic culture that isn't compatible for the creature it is supposed to be supporting and nurturing. But worse than that, the environment is dangerous to the existence of the organism. And I think it is pretty safe to say that a lot about our current culture, if we look at it from the standpoint of a lab experiment at least, is highly toxic. That is evidenced by the fact that in the US, 60% of adults have a chronic disorder like high blood pressure or diabetes, and over 40% have two or more of those conditions. And nearly 70% of Americans are on at least one prescription drug, and more than half take two. In Canada, depression and anxiety are the fastest growing diagnoses. China is now entering the era of obesity and ADHD, and Europe is having a significant mental health crisis. So... To me, that says something is askew. But the point from the book is that we have gotten so acculturated to all of this that it starts to seem normal. I will never forget being at a friend's house when our kids were in high school. I think they were sophomores. 
and there were 10 moms sitting around jabbering about life and kids, and someone asked whose kids were on ADHD medication. Eight out of the 10 raised their hands. Of course, we all had boys. All of them were being medicated at the age of 16, and it was shocking but we all kind of acknowledged that, wow, that seems crazy. And then we went on with our conversation. It shouldn't be normal to have eight of 10 adolescent boys taking powerful stimulant medication. Chapter 23 is one that stopped me in my tracks. The title is Society's Shock Absorbers, Why Women Have It Worse. And whoa, it is eye-opening for sure. Women suffer chronic illness of the body, things like chronic pain, migraines, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, and autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, and are more likely to be diagnosed with mental illness than men. And the medical community, for the most part, considers this to be a mystery. If you have been diagnosed with one of these conditions, male or female, Think back to all of the doctors that you've seen. How long is the average appointment? And how many of them asked you about your life, your stressors, your childhood experiences, or your family situation? I'm guessing very few, if any. If you look at our culture, it is one that subtly and not so subtly pressures women to suppress who they are. Stuff their emotions, be nice, be helpful and polite, and ignore what is happening in our bodies. The term Dr. Mate uses is self-silencing, which he describes as the tendency to silence one's thoughts and feelings to maintain safe relationships, particularly intimate relationships. And by safe, don't just think physically safe, which is definitely true, but emotionally safe as well. We talked about it briefly in the interview, but I just want to again highlight the link between parent or caregiver stress and disease. Research has discovered that when people feel threatened and insecure, especially over a prolonged period of time, our bodies are programmed to turn on inflammatory genes, which are the precursors to these diseases and conditions that we've been talking about. So please take note. For you as the parent or the primary caregiver to your son or daughter who is struggling, and anyone else who you might be caring for right now, it is vitally important for your health and longevity to surround yourself with people and practices that will at least from time to time give you some space to get some rest and nurture yourself. Find a therapist who you can work through and talk about your emotions with. And this work absolutely includes a very healthy dose of self-compassion. I could literally spend a couple of hours just on this topic of stress and illness, but I know you're going to read the book. So I will move on to another subject that is so important for us to understand as parents, and that is authenticity. Hi, I'm taking a quick break because I want to let you know about the private online community I created and host for moms who have kids misusing drugs or alcohol. It's where I hang out between the episodes, so I wanted to share a little bit about it. This place is called The Stream, and it isn't a Facebook group. It's completely private, away from all social media sites, where you start to take care of yourself. 
because through all of this, who is taking care of you? The stream is a place where we teach the craft approach and skills to help you have better conversations and relationships, and we help you get as physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy as possible so that you can be even stronger for your son or daughter. You can join us free for two weeks to see if it's the right kind of support for you and learn more about all the benefits that you get as a member at thestreamcommunity.com. And I'll see you there. Now let's get back to the conversation. The book, Hold On To Your Kids, was co-authored by Drs. Gordon Newfeld and Dr. Mate. And I think Dr. Newfeld beautifully summed up what young people need most. Children must feel an invitation to exist in our presence exactly the way they are. With that in mind, the parent's primary task, beyond providing for the child's survival requirements, is to emanate a simple message to the child in word, deed, and most of all, energetic presence, that he or she is precisely the person they love, welcome, and want. The child doesn't have to do anything or be any different to win that love, in fact, cannot do anything because this abiding embrace cannot be earned, nor can it be revoked. It doesn't depend on the child's behavior or personality. It is just there, whether the child is showing up as good or bad, naughty or nice. I've had so many experts on this podcast talking about how parents need to let go of their expectations and desired outcomes for their kids and let them be who they are. And I consistently hear from parents that that is one of the hardest things for them to do. So in that case, we go back to the very hard and uncomfortable work of examining ourselves and why we so badly need and want our kids to do certain things. Get the right grades, play the right sport, and not just the sport, but the position in that sport. Get accepted to the specific college or family of colleges end up with the right career and a socially acceptable family unit. And all of those things aren't bad. But if we stuff our kids into our desired mold, it doesn't allow them to choose for themselves who and what they are and want to be. And that is dangerous. If we start with ourselves, we can do what Gabor recommends, which is to first notice when authenticity isn't there. And then apply that same curiosity and gentle skepticism to the limiting beliefs that are taking its place. You can ask yourself, why do I want my daughter to get all A's? Why is it so important for me that my son is the best pitcher in his league and go to a D1 college? Why can't I get comfortable with my daughter dating girls? We know authenticity isn't there when we feel tension, anxiety, irritability, regret, depression, or fatigue. It wears on us to not be authentic. So we need to ask, what do we fear when we exert these expected outcomes on our kids? Are there truths and emotions that I am withholding that need to be expressed? And where did those fears come from? If you can even say, I'm really scared to let go of this. I am scared to be myself in this situation. That in itself is a start toward authenticity. And the last subject I want to touch on today, because it's something I see so many parents wrestle with, me included, is anger. 
Anger is one of the emotions we most often try to deny and banish from our children and ourselves. But that's all it is. It's an emotion, just like joy or excitement. So why are we so afraid of anger? Why were we taught that it is a bad thing? Unhealthy anger is what we often see. That can look like that blind rage, a lack of control, venom, resentment, and explosive outbursts. But those are just the outcomes of an unhealthy buildup of unexpressed emotions that need to be felt and expressed. So both anger suppressed and anger amplified out of proportion are toxic. When you think about anger though, it's what we feel when there is a threat to our life or our physical or emotional integrity, and we can't avoid it. It's a self-protection mechanism that lives in all of us and it's essential for our survival. It's when our anger becomes toxic that we need to look at the stories and the thought patterns that are feeding it. Those usually are self-righteousness, defensiveness, or self-flagellating thoughts. And we need to do this examination without invalidating that anger emotion. We also need to look at where we are people-pleasing, either saying yes when we want and need to say no, or vice versa, which then builds up that explosive volcano of emotion that eats away at our health. For a lot of us, especially as we deal with long-term drama and stress with our kids, we minimize our anger to the point where we don't even know what it looks like. Here is a tip from the book. Wherever we find ourselves tolerating or explaining away situations that persistently stress us out, when we insist that it's not that bad, or I can handle it, or I don't want to make a big deal about this, I'll just do it, or I'll just overlook it, there's likely an opportunity right there to give anger a healthy space to emerge. Even if you can just say, I don't want this, or I don't like this, that is a big step forward. For a lot of parents who are dealing with unbelievably stressful and scary situations, it's not a question of whether to be angry. We know we're angry at a society that still places so much stigma on addiction. We are justifiably angry at China and at the Mexican cartels for supplying the fentanyl that is killing our kids. We're angry at the local drug dealer who's truthfully probably in just as much pain as our kids. We might be angry at a spouse or an ex-spouse for the way we think they're dealing with things. There really is no shortage of reasons to be angry. What we need to question is how to relate in a healthy and wholesome way to these feelings that are naturally just a part of the ebb and flow of life, especially a life like yours. And that, my friend, is the hard, hard work to do. Well, clearly I could go on and on, and maybe I'll do a few of these to dig into some of what I think are the most pertinent topics in the book, The Myth of Normal. For parents whose kids are struggling, there are so many other critical topics I want to talk about, including attachment, self-inquiry, sensitivity and vulnerability, ADHD, self-harm, of course, addiction and trauma, and the ways that Dr. Mate shares that we can start to heal. So for now, I want to leave you with this thought about the healing we can all do. 
Any movement toward wholeness begins with the acknowledgement of our own suffering and of the suffering in the world. This doesn't mean getting caught up in a never-ending vortex of pain, melancholy, and especially victimhood. A new and rigid identity founded on trauma, or for that matter healing, can be its own kind of trap. True healing simply means opening ourselves to the truth of our lives, past and present, as plainly and objectively as we can. We acknowledge where we were wounded and, as we are able, perform an honest audit of the impacts of those injuries as they've touched both our own lives and those of others around us. Okay, that is it for today. If you would like to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to brendazane.com forward slash podcast. All of the episodes are listed there, and you can also find curated playlists there. So that's very helpful. You might also want to download a free ebook I wrote. It's called Hindsight, Three Things I Wish I Knew When My Son Was Misusing Drugs. It'll give you some insight as to why your son or daughter might be doing what they are. And importantly, it gives you tips on how to cope and how to be more healthy through this rough time. You can grab that free from brendazane.com forward slash hindsight. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I hope that these episodes are helping you stay strong and be very, very good to yourself. And I will meet you right back here next week.